I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. I had a really interesting contact from a parent in recent weeks and this parent was asking a question about risk and I've written about risk in my books you know the 15 minute parenting series it features in all three of the books but the question is what really interested me this parent was saying look you know I have two children who are kind of that middle childhood age group you know between eight and 12 years old one is a boy one is a girl and I'm suddenly aware of how I'm not that on board with my daughter engaging in that type of risk-taking play. I'm suddenly feeling anxious and I guess I'm contacting you because I'm aware of how anxious it's making me. But I'm also aware of how I didn't have this anxiety around my son when he was playing in a really similar way. And he still does. He engages in lots of that active, physical, rough-and-tumble play. And I suddenly caught myself going, gosh... Why am I comfortable with my daughter doing it? Any ideas? So I said, yes, I have lots of ideas. I have so many. I think I'm going to actually record a podcast on that, which is what I'm doing. I think risk is an inherent part of our children's development. Not only is it an inherent part, it is a major milestone in our children's development. It ratches up a notch, you know, come adolescence, but we don't just begin risk-taking and risk-taking type of play and communication with our kids as teenagers. We begin it way, way younger. Look, any of you who are parenting or have parented a baby, you know what it's like to be surrounded by risk with our children and how attractive risk thrill-seeking behavior is to them. You know, take for example, when your babies are learning how to walk, you know, they're wobbling, they kind of take those first tentative steps, they do that furniture walk where they're holding on to things and then they can see the gap between the arm of the chair and the table and you're holding your breath as they take those tentative steps forward. That is a risk. And it takes a lot for us not to jump in and go, oh, be careful, don't fall. But actually in falling and repeated experiences of falling, they learn how to balance and they learn how to walk. We have to allow them to take that risk so that they can learn. That's not exclusive to babies. It's not exclusive to when they're learning for walk, how to walk rather. So you might also have, you know, raising a climber. And look, if you are, you don't need to pause to think about that. The type of kids who, you know, why walk on the floor when you could scale the furniture? I wonder, could I balance on that teeny tiny ledge? And how long would it take me before I topple off? Kids who seem to fall, dust themselves off and get up and keep going. Those kids are quite attracted to risk. They're quite engaged with it. And they seem to draw a lot of benefit in terms of confidence and self-esteem. So simply put, risk-taking behavior is making a choice or simply taking an action when the outcome of the choice or action is unknown and cannot be fully predicted. So it's knowing, look, there is a risk here of success or failure. I'm not quite sure how it's going to go, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. That's what risk-taking behavior is. It involves anything that has that inherent chance of success or failure from the outset, but that you decide to do anyway. Just even pause and bring to mind your own relationship to risk. 
I think that's really important when it comes to pairing, parenting our children. And I think this parent who made contact with me that I mentioned at the start, and I'll come back to the specifics of that question, I would be saying start with your own relationship to risk. Because understanding your relationship to risk-taking behavior is actually really, really helpful when it comes to parenting your child through this phase of development. And this is a phase that changes as they do. It starts in that learning to walk and it goes right the way up to the thrill-seeking behavior they're wired for in adolescence. You've heard me say this before, but you know, adolescence is a developmental phase that is rich with risk. Neurologically, teenagers' brains are wired to take risks. That thrill-seeking reward part of the brain develops really quickly in adolescent years. But the part of the brain associated with, you know, oh, wait up there, is that such a good idea, pros and cons, that takes until their mid-20s, at least for most of us, to develop. So they are wired to engage in risk-taking behavior. And as their parents, it is our job to guide them towards as many healthy risk-taking behaviors as possible over those negative ones. Because in adolescence, the negative risk-taking behaviors can seem really attractive. Risk-taking behavior then, okay, if we break it down further, is basically that convergence, that collision, you might say, of two motivational systems. One is that system that, you know, renders a person sensitive to punishment. Oh, gosh, I better not do that because I'll get in trouble or something terrible will happen or, gosh, it's not worth the risk. I won't do it. And the other motivational system is the one that renders us more sensitive to reward yeah, there could be a bit of a fallout, but you know what? It'll be worth it. I'm going to do it anyway. And while we both have those two motivational systems in us, we also have to be aware that we are oriented more towards one over the other. So in my books, and I'm thinking particularly of the middle childhood book because that's the age group this question that came into me was about, I have a whole chapter. Chapter one of that book is dedicated to the topic of risk and how important it is in children's development. But I have included in that a parental risk self-audit. And I would really encourage you to take time out and do that self-audit. Really drill down into your own relationship to risk and risk-taking behavior. There's like 20 questions in that list that I've included. They include things like, you know, is it difficult for you to send a meal back or make a complaint in a restaurant? Do you often suggest new things to do or new ways of doing something? Can you easily list three positive risk-taking behaviors and three negative risk-taking behaviors? I think that's worth even answering now. I think, you know, we tend towards, oh, super easy to name the negative ones, you know, lying, stealing, cheating. There you go. There's three. There are endless, you know, negative risk-taking behaviors. You could say drugs, alcohol, anything like that. But the positive risk-taking behaviors tend to give us cause to pause. What is a positive risk-taking behavior? Go back to the early definition. If risk is about anything that has an inherent chance of success or failure, wouldn't team sports be a really good way of doing healthy risk-taking? Because there is an inherent chance of winning or losing. Making new friends. So, you know, encouraging our kids to take up activities that are outside of their typical school peer group where they have to meet new people with shared interests and make new friends. That's a healthy risk taking behavior. Um, learning to cycle, learning how to, you know, use a scooter or rollerblades or skateboards, they're all healthy risk taking behaviors because there's an inherent risk in them, but you do them anyway. And the boost is self-esteem, self-confidence. They get great development, developmental gain from that. 
I want to go back a little bit though now because something else in that contact from the parent that I mentioned at the start really stood out to me and it was that she was suddenly aware that she had been comfortable with certain risk-taking behaviors in her son and even, you know, expected him to play in that kind of way but caught herself being less comfortable with her daughter displaying those same behaviours. And it probably doesn't come as any great surprise to know that risk aversion, fear conditioning, that kind of thing really begins early for our children and it has a gendered lens. So it's not unusual to say as a parent find, you know, I was was fine with my son doing it, but why am I not okay with my daughter doing it? I don't want to be this person who says girls shouldn't play in a certain way. I want them to play any way they want. Why is it I have this hesitation? Well, you're not alone is the thing I'd say, and catching yourself doing it is the key to changing it. There have actually been studies about this, um, a number of them, but two that really interested me was a study published a number of years ago now in the Journal of Applied Developmental Psychology, and it showed that parents are much more likely to caution their daughters about the dangers of climbing on a playground fire pole. It was a very particular study of observing parents and children playing on a playground that had a fire pole for children to climb and they observed parents to be much more likely to caution their daughters to be careful don't do that mind yourself watch out while actually assisting and encouraging their same age boys to do just that so that study was really highlighting the point that we encourage our boys to face fears while unconsciously encouraging our girls to become fearful You know, challenge and risk-taking activities are directly linked to children's self-esteem. Yet, girls are much more likely to be warned away from them and away from such risk than boys are. Because there was another study actually in the Journal of Pediatric Psychology, I think around 2015, and it pointed out and highlighted from their research that parents are four times more likely to tell girls than boys to be careful when they're out playing, particularly around that physical, outdoor, rough and tumble, climbing, risk-taking type of play, four times more likely. And this is something that really jumps out at me because misadventure, you know, taking chances, stumbling, falling, grazing their knees, learning how to do it better the next time, it means that they're learning to try again. It means that they know that mistakes are the route to mastery. Try it, try it, try it, gain mastery and feel super proud of yourself for doing it. You get that boost to confidence, self-esteem and independence and self-efficacy all at once in that. And let's be honest, you know, mishap is a part of childhood. It was a part of all of our childhoods, right? You know, you'd go out, you'd fall, you'd scrape, you'd have to come home. Where did you get that? How did that happen? It's something that's actually really, really important. But our gendered caution about this may actually be making girls less likely than boys to try challenging physical activities. Or certainly once they try them, it may be dissuading them from staying engaged in those things. We know that girls, particularly coming out of middle childhood, that 8 to 12 age, and going into adolescence and early adolescence, 13 to 15 years old, they are so likely to drop out of physical activities, team sports, things that they have been a part of. And, you know, it's crucial, all of that type of play and engagement and, you know, playing with risk, to be honest, is all crucial 
in developing new skills and ultimately if we are even if it's unconscious on our parts but if we are dissuading our girls away from this it can lead to girls having a more sedentary passive lifestyle than their male counterparts and in an era when we are trying so hard to embrace the concept of just let play be play let's consciously talk about the gendered lens that is in play and we can talk about that in terms of how children's play from the youngest ages is color-coded you know the pinkification if you like I just made that word up but the pinkification of girls play versus boys you know immediately we're saying well you know all that pink stuff that's for the girls and the blue stuff is for the boys you know that's in us that's an internal bias we're carrying and it perpetuates this gendered lens of play so I think it's really important that you we do as this parent has catch ourselves in those moments bring it to our conscious awareness and actually say "Ooh, why am I doing that now that I'm thinking about it maybe I can stop it So how we do it is like, as I said, becoming aware of the gendered lens is one step. But now what are you going to do about it? Reflect on why is it you carry that gendered lens. Some of it is systemic. Some of it is cultural. Some of it is intergenerational passed down from our parents to us and maybe even our grandparents to them. You know, bring your own relationship to risk to the fore. What was it like when you were a child? Were you risk averse? Did you embrace that type of play? Did you avoid it? Um, did you run headlong into it? Maybe you had, you know, a mishap, a particular accident, and it has, you know, made you very cautious about that. Did you have cautious parents or did you have laissez-faire parents who were like, yeah, you go for it, come home when you're hungry. And how has either of those influenced your relationship to risk? And then we have to try consciously again, because I think unconsciously we're going, that sounds amazing. I, I really believe I'm doing that, but the research doesn't bear it out. So consciously we have to avoid sabotaging healthy risk-taking behavior with unnecessary caution. And we have to ask ourselves, I find this really helpful myself, when you have that instinct to go, oh, don't do that. Just hit ever so briefly your internal pause button, that parental pause button, and ask Now, ask yourself, but also answer, but ask yourself, what is the worst that could happen here? And what is the benefit and potential learning from this risk situation? So what is the worst that could happen? Okay, that's not so bad. Okay, they could stumble, graze their knee. That's okay. We can live with this. What's the benefit? They learn that it's worth taking a chance. They're going to learn a new skill. They're going to be putting themselves out there and really taking chances. And that's what I want for self-esteem. Weigh up the pros and the cons and then hold your breath, hold your tongue and let it happen. Take a risk on risk. That's what I'm asking you to do after listening to this episode. Just take a risk on risk. Give our children the opportunities to practice dealing with what is now reasonable, don't go crazy on this, you know, reasonable and developmentally matched risks that will enable them to grow and develop into confident, capable, chance-taking, healthy chance-taking young people who are attuned to their own instincts and capabilities. Believe me, that's going to stand to you when they hit those adolescent years and they're running headlong into risk-taking behavior. You want them to know and hear their uh-oh sense inside. Uh-oh, this is out of control. I need to get out of here. Even if it means getting in terrible trouble when I call you at 3am and I'm not where I said I would be, I know I should call you because this is getting out of control. I am attuned to my instincts and I know what is good risk and when it crosses into a bad one.
You can play with this. As always, I like to give you a couple of play activities that you can practice some risk-taking behavior. I like to do cushion balance. That means taking a cushion, putting it in the middle of the floor, having your child stand on it, and then invite them to, on your cue, three, two, one, or when you say strawberry, banana, apple, pear, plum, and then you say strawberry, they jump off the cushion. You know that they can balance and jump off one cushion. Then you put a second cushion, repeat a third cushion. Maybe you do a fourth cushion. You're increasing the level of risk gradually each time. If you see they're beginning to wobble on cushion three, before you do four, say that this time they can put a hand on your shoulder because we want them to gain mastery over it. You could have them jump into a soft cushion or sofa area. Depending on the size of your child, you could have them jump into your arms for an embrace after this. You could also play, you know, a slightly different version of the game you would know from your own childhood blind man's buff. This one is something that involves trust and risk. So what you're going to do is show them around the room. You're going to tell them you're going to blindfold them and you're going to lay some obstacles around the room. These will be safe things like cushions, scarves, maybe a book or two, nothing that's going to cause injury. And they have to listen to your voice and your instructions as you guide them safely around the room dodging all of those obstacles into your arms for an embrace. So you get trust and trust and you get risk in that one. And you know what? Simply playing board games. There's inherent winning and losing in board games. I like the ones that are simply a roll of a dice. You can't have a strategy. Something like snakes and ladders is a great example. You're winning one minute, you're completely losing the next, and it's all on the roll of a dice. There is absolute risk involved in that. Some of the more strategic games are good as well and you can bring those in. So embrace board games. Maybe take one evening a week as your family board game week, uh, board game day. We're coming in now at this stage towards that part of the year, dare I say it, when Christmas is coming. So you'll see lots of board games appearing in the shops. It might be time to do an audit of what you have and top up those supplies. But whatever you do, however you do it, take a risk on risk. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-Minute Parenting.